This is the Last Mohican Podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend Matthew Ballas. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Welcome. So today we're going to talk about fitness. Favorite subject of mine for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a big world. Fitness is a universe unto itself and uh, there's a lot to navigate within it. Um, You personally are invested career-wise in fitness. So tell me and the listeners a little bit about that. You started off with personal training, right? Yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> I Can I go back? I want to go back into uh, what led me into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, from uh, age 11, I considered myself a musician. And I thought that was going to be my career path. But after playing in several bands and uh, touring all over the world... Um, I, uh, came home broke and out of shape and actually got an email asking, like, do you want to be a personal trainer? And you get those things all the time. But for me, that was like, you know what? Yeah. Because I was like reading men's health, like trying to get in shape and I was doing your typical bodybuilder workout. Like I'm spending a whole day doing chest and then I'm spending like half a day doing back and then I'm doing like two sets of squats and you know what I mean so like your typical bodybuilder week and uh there's so much misinformation out there and I was like yeah you know what yeah I do so I got certified through National Strength and Conditioning Association NSCA CPT so I did that for three and a half years uh suffered a setback I actually got fired from uh the gym that I worked at unexpectedly and uh I was, I went into a state of depression. So six months, I ate a lot, drank a lot, gained weight. Then I finally got back on my feet. I met who is now my fiance. And uh, I tried to do personal training independently for like a year. Wasn't happening, man. Not in this area. Um, When you try to tell someone it's going to be 40 bucks an hour, it's just around here, that's not going to happen, you know? So uh, if you go somewhere like Miami, or like a big city somewhere where you can go to one gym and do a training session, go across the street to another gym, do a training session. There, you can definitely do... Freelancing is more realistic. Oh, than, definitely. And people yeah. are more invested in their health and fitness in yeah. beach cities like that. Right. And we had a strong team there, but people weren't making the kind of money that you need to make, you know? And uh, so it gets to be a tough business. Even, even when you are resigned to one gym and you have a... A steady flow of new members and uh, a steady clientele it's still it's still hard um, so <clears throat> I uh, in within the personal training career I realized that I could help people relieve their pain I had a client named Sherry and uh, I asked her if she could do a success story for um, one of the local newspapers and she said yeah what should I talk about and I was like well you lost like 30 pounds you lost like whatever percent body fat talk about that she was like oh well um I I was gonna write about how my knees don't hurt anymore from my arthritis I was like thank you that's that's actually like one of the things that I focus on but everyone is so focused on losing weight losing body fat toning up quote unquote and uh I was it made me feel so good that she recognized that I helped her relieve her pain And that was like a light bulb that went off. And I was like, I have to go into physical therapy. Like I, there are limitations in personal training. I mean, exercise is great, but when people have ailments, 
um, and they're uneducated about fitness, um, there are things in, that you can do as a PTA and a PT, um, massage techniques, modalities and stuff that just go so far beyond basic exercise. Um, so that's what led me into that. <clears throat> so I am actually a licensed physical therapist assistant now, but I'm still going to school for my doctorate. So I can't really work during the day because I have to go to school still. So kind of in this stage of limbo where I'm working on my, it's like a bridge program from, from Penn State to Misericordia to the DPT program, Doctor of Physical Therapy. So uh, if all goes as planned this time, four years from now, I'll be, I'll be Dr. Ballas. <laughs> Excellent, man. Good for you. It's, uh, it's going to be well-deserved. You are invested in fitness. Like I said, it's not just a hobby for you. Mm -hmm. And with that, you have to stake your reputation on the concepts that you stand by in fitness. Right. A lot of people get away with selling snake oil yeah. in fitness and in health in mm -hmm. exercise, in all those areas, people can pretend something works right. for a 60-second video on Instagram or yeah. for some kind of article or some kind of new trend that right. they know will fizzle out quickly anyway, but it will sell mm -hmm. for a moment because people love quick fixes, people love yeah. an alternative, easier route. You have to stake your reputation on what you believe in fitness. Right. So I really respect that. And... Injury prevention is huge for me too. Yeah. So it's funny that we had similar beginnings. I was not an athlete in any way in school mm -hmm. growing up. I liked to be active, but I didn't like to play sports. Yeah. I know in your family, you guys do play sports and you like sports. Somewhat, yeah. Um, I think I do more so than, than anyone else, but... Uh, I mean, we've always had fun playing basketball and stuff like that. And anytime there's like a family gathering, there's always activities involved, whether it's frisbee or can jam or bean bags. Like, there's always something going on. Or like, we had our family reunion recently, and I brought a frisbee. I bought, I brought, we all brought our baseball gloves and some balls. And I mean, so so yeah, I think it's a, a pretty important part. There was a while there where we were playing a lot of basketball together, but you know, it makes happier people, man. Yeah. When they learn to enjoy themselves in active ways. Yeah. People end up happier and more relaxed. Uh, yeah, I think so. That's kind of across the board in your family. Everybody seems really relaxed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And in, uh, families where like mine, for instance, I won't speak for other people, but in families like mine where adults weren't really active, we um, didn't know what we could get into physically, mm -hmm. what we could do for fun. It was like, you know, maybe fighting each other or throwing rocks and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Starting at square one like that without the real influence, you don't realize how enjoyable it can be to just yeah. be physical. Yeah. I was lucky that... Even without the school sports, I was active through skateboarding, mm. snowboarding in the early years and teenage years. Those carried me until uh, I joined the military. But before yeah. that, there was no running, really no jumping besides in skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Like some integral movement patterns for yeah. the human body. 
that most of us never, not most of us, a lot of human beings never really get to wake up in themselves. Right. People who spend most of their day sitting, gamers. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could be working your mind in a lot of ways, but yeah. certain, certain parts of your body will just be completely asleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that probably has some neurological and nerve consequence too because there will never be communication between the mind and its you know neurological pathway to specific body parts if you're never Mm -hmm. engaging them i saw uh, a really cool study about practice and what practice does for nerve and neurological pathways Mm -hmm. leading to the specific parts of the body associated with these movements Mm -hmm. so when we practice something there is like a coating that starts to cover nerves or neurons slowly leading to these body parts and so every time you think about it it sends pieces you know essentially like molecular level pieces of that coating to the neuron to jacket it and it becomes like uh, you know on wire how they have a jacket Mm mm-hmm uh, copper wire is jacketed like it's it's a covering it's like a protective covering and uh, mm-hmm. it is essentially strengthening your ability to do that movement or do that action yeah and um, once you do wake it up physically mental practice is then possible but before you ever do the movements and familiarize your body with the movements there's nothing there. There's no jacket or protection right. on those neurons. Yeah. So they are. Uh, oh, you, have, oh weak. you mean like the, the myelin sheath? Or yes, the exactly. Yeah. The sheath, myelin sheath. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very cool. Yeah, that that can be. Um, it's like a, an insulator around um, around an axon, and uh, yeah, the more you practice a movement, like you said, um, the more uh, the more responsive it will be. Incredible. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, it's cool. So, a lot of strength. I've, I've, I still maintain that a lot of strength is neurological. So you'll see if somebody starts a lifting program, whether they're 15 or 65, um, they could be, let's just, I hate to use basic exercises, but let's just say bench press. Mm-hmm. Let's say you start at, uh, you know, 95 pounds on bench press and you get a couple sets in, you work for a couple weeks. By week four, you might be up to 135 and you haven't built any muscle yet. But neurologically, your brain is sending signals to the right places. It's getting and, more uh, effective and more efficient yeah. at doing the movement, yeah. even if it's not stronger. And then the uh, proprioceptive um, receptors in your joints get used to it too. And they get used to that movement in your shoulders, your elbows, your wrists. And uh, they all respond accordingly. So it's... yeah. That's movement, just the marvel of the human body, really. Yeah, <clears throat> Movement itself is, is everything. What you've probably learned through your education in fitness about the body, is that what has led you to your preferences in fitness and your, um, your interests in developing for yourself? Like knowing how the body moves, does that let you know that you're going to get more from like a jumping movement? than you would from just like a stationary or basic lunge? Yeah, uh, it depends on what my specific goal is. Um, so there's a, uh, the said principle, um, if you're familiar with that, SAID, uh, specific adaptation to impose demand. 
And it's basically, if you're, I don't want to jump ahead to the Spartan race, but we might, we might get into that. Well, yeah, we could touch on it. Yeah. Uh, well, before the Spartan race, I was doing a lot of cardio and the Spartan race came and, uh, I think it helped and that was great and all. And I was doing some trail running and stuff, but remember the last workout I did, I went with my friends and I tend to go balls to the wall. And uh, my first mile is like seven minutes. My second mile is like nine and a half minutes. You know what I mean? So, and then I get two miles out and I'm, I'm tired. I turn back around and then I'm like 10 minute mile, 11 minute mile, and then I'm done. So I've never been a good long distance athlete. Um, you can change the uh, structure or the ratio of fibers, muscle fibers in your body if you train it enough. Like if you're a naturally if you naturally have more fast twitch fibers, like you're a, a powerful athlete, um, you're, you can jump high, you can sprint fast. If you want to go out and become a long distance runner, you can do it, but you'd be reorienting yeah. your muscle fibers to then go long twitch and right. like endurance. Yeah. Okay. And they, they can change because really the difference in them is, uh, how much oxygen they hold. And, uh, th- so they can change with enough training and, uh, but yeah, back to the, the said principle, um, if you train to be slow for long periods of time, you will be slow. Now there are some natural freaks out there that can go and run a half marathon, um, and then go and sprint and have a, a 35 inch vertical leap mm. still, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I did a lot of cardio leading up to the Spartan race and then, um, it cardio makes me hungry. So I was eating a lot. And I was, I was at like 173 for the Spartan race. And um, that's what I was averaging, but I wanted to lose weight. But I think I was just eating so many carbs and stuff, trying to recover from all the running. Uh, and uh, this morning I weighed myself, I was 164. Big um, difference. So, yeah, and this is actually the lowest I've been in like two years. Because I went down, I was hovering around 160 to 163 like three years ago. And then I guess slowly with like school and stuff, I wasn't paying super close attention to it. And I was up to like, uh, I got up to like 170, 178. And uh, I realized that the one day I was like, whoa, I'm like, I'm not going back there. I, I did what, when I lost myself for those six months, I got up to 223. Wow. And uh, I went all the way back down to 160. So a little over 60 pounds I lost. And I'm like, I saw that 178 on the scale the one day because I was feeling like, my clothes were getting tight, and I'm like, all right, what's going on? And I was like, nah, not, none of that. But <clears throat> So, yeah, I, I went to play basketball uh, like five days, six days after the Spartan race, and I, I'll admit I was still a little sore from that race, mm-hmm. but uh, I felt slow. Like there were these guys from um, one of the plants in Mountaintop that come to play on their lunch break, mm-hmm. and... They're, all these guys are older than me, and I was, like, dogging it, man. And I'm, like, I mean, I, I know I'm 35, but I don't put any stock in that. I'm, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't. It's not that much of a factor. It's not a limitation for me, you know. So, and obviously think things feel different as you age. But, um, yeah, I felt slow. And uh, I was just, like, man, this is, this is not me. I'm not jumping high like I normally do. It was all that cardio that I yeah. did before the Spartan race. That know? damn cardio, man. Yeah. And it, it helped, but, um, you know, between the obstacles and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. Do you want to go into the Spartan race? Yeah. But uh, just firstly, I would say that you have a particular interest in agility with your fitness, right? Like agility mm-hmm. is important to you. Yeah. And yeah, like we said, injury prevention, those things are important to you, right? Yeah. yeah so those are, those are really good fitness principles to have. Mm-hmm. And even in relation to this race, those are big factors. So mm-hmm. I, um, I only prepped with two runs the week before the race, mm-hmm. the Saturday before the race was on a Saturday. So seven days before I did an hour and 15 minute run yeah. that I, I guessed was about eight and a half miles, mm-hmm. which I was expecting the Spartan race to be 10. So I was like, uh, it's kind of below my mark. Yeah. We ended up only doing eight and a half miles, yeah. but it was with all the elevation, yeah. bigger, uh, bigger perceived work. Mm-hmm. And, um, the second race after that, or the second run after that was the Wednesday before the race day, Saturday, and that was just a four-mile run, mm-hmm. and I did um, a set of pull-ups on my way out on the run, a set of push-ups in about the middle of it, and another set of pull-ups on my way back, and that was really my only training because I had been bogged down by work before the race, uh, way more hours than I should have been working, so... Really, no exercise conditioning mm-hmm. to get me ready for it. I was yeah. thinking about what I'd be doing and uh, trying to mentally prepare. And then there was just those two training runs. Yeah. And um, with injury prevention being so important to me, too, I was a little nervous. Yeah. I was a little nervous going into that race. So, yeah. for the listeners, uh, close to a month ago now, it was July 14th. We did this um, Spartan Super race in Palmerton area, and it was an eight and a half mile obstacle race, 26 obstacles, lots of elevation change. It was at a ski resort, so up and down the slopes, through trails and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, the nerves in the beginning led me to not eat very much, um, be like hyper conscious of how I was feeling, was worrying about my Achilles tendons and mm-hmm. ankles and yeah. it it ended up being a lot more fun than I was expecting. Yeah. It was a really good time. Oh yeah. Just just awesome. yeah, just to lay that out first, it was a great time. Yeah, it was. And you performed really well. I Thank mean, you, man. Thank you. Yeah. It was it was impressive. Um, the, the obstacles were really cool. There was a lot of grip-oriented obstacles, some some rope climbs. There was at least two rope climbs. Was there, was there more than that? Um, I know was, at least two. <clears throat> there was the rope climb up to the those hanging monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, there was like yeah, a rope a transfer, like a rope to a ring transfer also. That's that's one of the ones I failed on. and That's what where I go back to that, that said the specific, specificity principle mm. is... I was doing a lot of cardio, so that was taking away my time in the gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of doing like my my pull ups and stuff that I would normally do, my kettlebell stuff, and um, <clears throat> I feel like you can lose grip strength pretty quickly. Um, You're I right about that. In in your adult years, as far as the studies show, once you hit uh, thirty five, like thirty five to forty, you start to naturally lose grip strength. I guess it's just because the muscles in the forearm are are so complicated. There's so many of them and I I guess they can atrophy quickly because they're, they're smaller. So, um, but you do, it is easy to lose strength. And, uh, as soon as I was done with that race, because 
that one was called the multi-rig that you're talking about mm-hmm. where it was like you were on that swinging bar then to a ring then to a rope then to a longer rope and then when i got to that longer rope and i was trying to swing up to the next ring i that's where i fell my hand just slipped down and i i had no grip and uh <clears throat> i mean it could have been a combination of fatigue from the beginning part of the race but that's where that's where i thought i was going to excel and here um it was really like in between the obstacles mm-hmm. that i I, I did better than I thought I would. They were definitely a challenge, though. I, yeah. I, I, um, I was surprised by the spear throw. I mean, yeah. for the thousands of people who have to do the race, they couldn't have, you know, spears from Thermopylae or, you know, ancient Greece. Good, some good straight spears. They were yeah. a little warped. They were a little wobbly. <laughs> they were but broom handles it, yeah. with, uh, with a stake on the end. It was very cool, though. It was yeah. fun. And I like the idea of that kind of movement mm-hmm. being being conditioned and capable of easily performing any kind of throw right. or any kind of uh, dynamic movement like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That involves multiple muscle groups. Yeah. So some of those obstacles were um really challenging but still a lot of fun and got my uh got my gears turning because we are um also interested in doing some ninja warrior training yeah and since since watching that show and seeing those obstacles i'm thinking about uh how to unlock certain certain skills Mm -hmm. in the body that i don't have yet yeah i i watched that show and it's uh it's one of those things. I think they make a joke on American American Dad or one of those shows, Family Guy or something, where they're watching the show and uh, one character says, "Do you ever get the feeling that uh, you can you can do this just as well as these trained professionals?" <laughs> and it's like I watch this too, and I'm like, "I could do that. I can do that." Oh yeah. And then I go All to the, the gym and I, I hang on the bar for a couple minutes. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm tired." Twenty five like, seconds go by. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I'm these, not doing another round of this. These people spend hours in the gym a day. Some of them are gym owners, and that's, that's yeah. like all they do, you know. So the um, um, the the mental the mental practice for me, I think, is the biggest factor because yes, your grip strength is going to be challenged, mm-hmm. but are you when you're fatigued gonna make a mistake or a slight? Um, misjudgment Mm -hmm. because your mind isn't prepared to overcome whatever whatever obstacle or to solve whatever problem I think the mental stuff is really hard so like the timing you have to wait for a certain obstacle to swing back Mm -hmm. you have to um, send your momentum in the right direction oh yeah technique is huge yeah it's very cool it's very very cool how much of it is mental yeah and management of body weight in space is just crucial um that's i mean that's taken out a lot of people who even like more experienced competitors um i was saying it's like fitness is like a whole universe unto itself and there's so many different categories of fitness but even if you zero in on strength there's really so many different kinds of strength right i like olympic lifting Mm -hmm. i like a lot of olympic lifting movements, um, cleans, 
from the taking the bar from the ground and power cleans, mm-hmm. deadlifts, obviously um, even shoulder presses. Right. The uh, the split jerk. Some 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 of those Olympic movement patterns are really complex and I think really beneficial and engage your body in ways that they can't be engaged otherwise. But then there are whole other disciplines of strength. Like there are strict calisthenic strength athletes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the barbarians, the people who do like freestyle pull-up bar exercises. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much an acrobatic feat. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The, uh, like super slow muscle up guys who will then invert on the bar after the muscle up, you know, go upside down and do like a handstand. Oh, that's crazy. Jump, yeah. like do a p- jumping pull up and get their feet up onto the bar from that. There's, um, I was just showing you this book here on the shelf, uh, Baron Baptiste's Journey into Power. Mm-hmm. He's um, a strength athlete of yoga. So he has a, a power yoga routine and power yoga um practice that i think is really interesting too mm-hmm. managing your own body weight um when defying gravity or when hanging or um in some of the fight sports like jujitsu re- and wrestling obviously wrestling is world renowned for mm-hmm. being so challenging because you're, you know, dealing with your own body weight and then also resisting another person. Right. With all those different worlds of just strength, I'm trying to find a balance and do a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. It's three days a week now that I'm doing jujitsu and some striking. I'm trying to get into the weight room two days a week for some uh, some foundational, like the big muscle groups doing some strength work for that. Mm-hmm. Want to find a balance. I like the gymnastic rings. I like to use those right. outside. At least a quick set once or twice a week. Where where do you think for you is like the sweet spot for strength? Um, I mean, obviously fitness is multifaceted. You need lots of different aspects. Uh, strength-wise, strength-wise, I'm always back and forth. Uh, I do like to throw in traditional lifts and Olympic lifts. Um, I like hang cleans, but I'm, I haven't done them in over a month. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think anytime you can go, you can go unilateral, um, like, a, like a kettlebell or a dumbbell snatch instead. I think that because then you, you get to train the rotational aspects of your body. And uh, even if you take a, a staggered stance, like one foot in front mm-hmm. of the other, and do uh, like a single arm kettlebell swing, mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think is is very beneficial, just movement wise. When you say unilateral, do you mean just like offsetting, uh, like the symmetrical position that you would be in, like kind of going yeah. in an, in just an like offset w- position, like one arm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a, like a like a hang clean would be a bilateral because you're using both right. arms and a bar. Um, but if you were just using one, like one kettlebell or dumbbell, it would be unilateral. And anytime you do that, um, you get to work on, on that reciprocating movements, you know? Um, and that's what everything is. There's a guy named Nadi Aguilar that I follow and his big three things that he focuses on are, um, walking, running and throwing. So uh, basically gait pattern and uh, rotational patterns. 
and he obviously elaborates on that he's big on rotational slings like in the shoulder in the hip and uh oblique slings um so basically proper spinal rotation Mm -hmm. and there are there's some fitness people out there strength and conditioning coaches and stuff that talk about how rotation is bad for the spine the spine was made to rotate yeah (laughs) yeah Um, the lumbar spine it should be stable the thoracic spine should be mobile so it should you should be able to flex and extend the thoracic spine most people are locked in their thoracic spine and need to open that up and most athletes i'm sure unless they perform a rotational uh movement in their sport Mm -hmm. won't even get a chance to engage that you know or in the weight room people who are at the gym all the time they're not they're not rotating their thoracic spine because yeah. what what machines or what uh, strength workout will let you do that unless mm-hmm. you're actually actively looking for something like that. Right, and there was a a time when everybody was focused on stability and stability is great and stuff, but there's also such thing as dynamic stability where you can rotate and stop yourself from rotating too far. So you have these exercises like an anti rotation where you stand. Um, perpendicular to the machine and the, um, hold the cable in front of you and prevent yourself from rotating. Resist the and, natural pull of the right. weight. And that's good and all um, because if you play a sport or something and you get hit, you need to be able to uh, resist to re- that. Yeah, to resist that force and to be able to resist that excessive rotation to prevent injury. So, And those are great and all, but you also need to move in that pattern. So even people, like you might not think of basketball as a rotational sport, but if you're if you're shuffling uh, sideways covering someone and then you have to turn to sprint, mm-hmm. there's a massive component of shoulder, uh, uh, shoulder, spine, and hip rotation that you have to get into to turn that into a horizontal um, motion of power mm-hmm. to sprint down the court. So you think... When you think rotation, you think maybe uh, tennis, baseball, hockey, anything where you yeah. have a club or yeah. something to swing. Mm-hmm. You think about rotation, golf especially. Right. Golf is huge, and uh, I think golf is is one of the. I don't want to say it's the most natural. I would say swinging a bat is probably yeah. the most natural, just yeah. because it's doesn't have that bent over. Yeah, it's level, and then golf kind of puts you in and an awkward position but it's still it's still a rotational sling Mm -hmm. you know and it it should still be that movement should still be trained and um but i went off on a tangent um but but with basketball there are no slow rotations it's always like rapid rapid movement if you're in a travel situation where you can no longer just go back to dribbling it's going to be like rapid direction change right or um Finding someone to pass to or rebound. It's always a really fast torso rotation. So Mm -hmm. I can see what you mean with that. And I can see a lot of the athletic benefit of playing basketball, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Which, um, you know, needless to say, the jumping is huge. Mm -hmm. Jumping is like one of the most badass things you can do for, you know, building strength in in your athletic base, as I used to get coached about the athletic base like everything below your waist is super important in the body i mean your whole body is 
something that you should be paying close attention to, but it's such, it's such a complex thing that you have to zero in on specifics and Mm -hmm. like kind of group things together, kind of chunk things together. And when I think of the athletic base, that's like a really important one to me. So like Mm -hmm. from the waist down, the, the glutes, everything involved in, uh, you know, the deadlift, but maybe not necessarily deadlifting would be the best ways to train it. Right. I like a lot of one-legged strength exercises. Oh, like yeah, that's my favorite. Pistol squats, obviously. Yeah. The, uh, like, walking deadlifts or RDLs, mm. Romanian deadlifts. The uh, The lower body is really interesting to me, and, like, especially because I see it so overlooked by a lot of... The culture, there's, there's, there's a little bit of a culture shift going on now, but it, for so long, the lower body was overlooked by most mm-hmm. of the strength world, you know? Yeah. And I just thought that was so crazy. Huge yeah. upper bodies and skinny legs was yeah. like so crazy to me. Not even that it's about size, but mm-hmm. having the, um, having your lower body articulated to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Being able to at least perform every movement. Right. So we touched on injuries a little bit. What do you think are some uh, some other pitfalls that you personally have come across or you've seen other people experience in in fitness and in we could even say in health in general but like mm-hmm. pitfalls like injuries um, overtraining yeah overuse um, and lack of specificity I think that's something I'll always go back to not having a focus to your training you mean right. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'll admit I'm all over the place too, but I, I do have general things in mind like um, basketball and climbing when I work out. Mm-hmm. Like when I mentioned um, Naudi Aguilar, he he says walking, running, throwing are like our, our basic movements. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, might go back to, I'm not sure what his, his thing about throwing is obviously we do that a lot in sports. It might go back to, to spear hunting, mm-hmm. um, from a primal perspective, you know, and, uh, but walking and running will always be important. So I take it a little farther, uh, walking, running, jumping, um, throwing, punching and climbing. Yeah. Climbing is huge. I think. Yeah. I, I love climbing and, uh, I love pull ups <laughs> Yeah, and any kind of hanging exercise. I love, uh, any kind of monkey bars that I can just hang ropes on for too. a couple minutes at a time. Oh yeah, ropes are great. So and uh, like earlier today we were at we were at the tubs. And, yep, yep. Um, I mean rock climbing. I mean that stuff's great. I love it. Absolutely. So I always have those things in mind when I'm training, and uh, especially making sure not to um, not to compromise my posture. That's another thing. Form, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about consistency? Like, do you think people really need consistency as much as they need all the other factors to be there for fitness and health? Like, maybe maybe you train twice a week. Mm -hmm. Like, is that still going to be beneficial for people the way, you know... A five day strength routine, five day a week, or you know, people who are in the gym every day. Does I, it does it take like weekly consistency to maintain strength or to maintain fitness? You think? Yeah, I think it does. Um, <clears throat> to what degree? If if you miss a week, it's 
you're not going to shrink. You're not going to, you know, your heart rate's not going to go up. Your resting heart rate isn't going to go through the roof. It, but it's not the end of the world. But if you go, I mean, people go months, months without exercising, you know, or people that are just sedentary in general. Yeah. And uh, there, there are no easy fixes when it comes to fitness. Right. Like you mentioned people on Instagram and you see these, there's that one couple on Instagram um, where they're always doing these cool exercises where they're hanging on each other. And yeah. Stuff. Some people work out for the exposure. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're both, they're both super attractive. They're both in great shape. And uh, obviously that's, that's something attractive to people. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to my personal trainer days, and, and I do regret this. I wish I had taken it a little more seriously, but I was living in the moment. I was training at the biggest gym in the area mm-hmm. and I had lots of friends and, you know, we were going out and I had lots of clients and I wasn't always eating right. I mean, I was probably clocking in around 190 at the time, 190 to 200. Mm-hmm. I was lifting a lot. <clears throat> yeah, so I had some more muscle mass than I do now. But uh, <clears throat> it's... Um, I it's good to have. Training. I mean, it's good to have a balance. Yeah. Between the two, like having some of the aesthetics. Like people in the strength community love the word aesthetics mm-hmm. because it's it's kind of like a grandiose way to talk about your self absorption or yeah. your you, you know your quote unquote narcissism within your practice. Right. Like your aesthetics is how you know you want to look. Mm-hmm. That's how it's pretty much presented yeah. in the fitness community. So I think it's good to have a balance. Yeah. And if you train the right ways or you train for the right reasons, there will be some visible, uh, you know, appreciated benefits too. Mm-hmm. Aesthetics though, I think that's funny, right? Yeah. yeah. The, um, the other pitfalls I think that a lot of people get into are like supplements. Mm-hmm. People relying on supplements or overusing or abusing supplements, like people particularly with pre-workout, mm-hmm. I wonder, I really have to wonder, I don't research much into it because I don't use them myself, mm-hmm. but I wonder how much trouble we're causing for ourselves down the line or even uh, immediate you know, consequences of using that and relying on that. Do some pre-workouts do dilate your blood vessels? Yeah. That's right? Yeah. That's, and that allows them to hold more oxygen? Uh, Is that the reason they would be I used? Think pump more blood. Okay. And then when you get into creatine, creatine... Um, holds triggers, water. Yeah, it triggers the body to hold water in the muscles. So you're like yeah. gaining weight? Kind of, yeah. So you might start taking creatine and within a week all of a sudden you look puffed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <clears throat> As soon as you stop taking that, you're going to, I mean, you're going to pee all that out. <laughs> so pre-workout, I feel like really there's some risk involved if, especially like the ones that are like, you know, NO explode yeah. or jacked 3d, the ones that are like have warning labels on them. Yeah. There's actually been like nitric oxide, uh, marketed to women to improve heart health. And I heard it at like a, it was like a radio commercial. And I mean, I don't know how much there is to that. Maybe it does help, but um, could be short term. Yeah, and I know there was a there was a physician that was um, he was a proponent of No Explode, and um, 
he came out and said, yeah, it's fine if you're using it right and in moderation. But, I mean, who knows what he was getting paid to say that. Right, know? right. So, yeah, of course. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, people who have to stake their reputation mm-hmm. on the claims they make in fitness, they got to have a different approach than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another Another... Hang up is results though. Yeah. Like we've talked before, speaking of aesthetics, we've talked about abs before. Mm-hmm. And you know, people's fixation on that or desire for abs, yeah. leading them to do ab workouts to right. try and make their abs pop. Mm-hmm. You know that that doesn't work? Yes. Can you explain why? Uh, well, basically, you have a layer of fat. And then you have a layer of fascia, and then you have a layer of muscle. Those things don't connect to each other. I mean, they connect to each other, but they don't have anything to do with each other. Mm-hmm. So you could spend all the time you want. Um, one common thing is uh, women are self-conscious about um, midsection fat. Well, fat around the tricep area. Oh yeah, yeah. Of, of course, yeah. yeah. And they're worried about having flabby arms, so they go, "Oh, well, I want to do some of these. I want to do tricep press downs." And I say, okay, well, what that will do is build up your triceps. And that's fine because if you build up muscle in an area and you will you will increase the proportion of muscle to fat. You get so bulk. It, so it will look more toned. Um, but <clears throat> essentially doing single joint motions is not going to burn much fat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You, you have to take an overall approach. But, <clears throat> and another thing is you can't, you can't out-train a bad diet. Yeah, So if yeah, you're not absolutely. eating right, then you're never going to get that. But I, I've i pretty much accepted the fact that I'll probably never have a six-pack. I've always carried extra weight, like in my abdominal area. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> But that's another thing that people do is they'll go to town on... Uh, Just killing the crunches, yeah, the leg levers, yeah. all the ab workouts, yeah. and then say, I'm still not getting a six-pack. I don't get it. Yeah. But back to the question, it, it's the myth of spot training. So you could work that muscle, those muscles in that area all you want. It's not doing anything to the fat in that area. Mm-hmm. When your body takes fat to burn it for energy, it takes it from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, it might take it more from the midsection if that's where you store more of your fat like I do. So, yeah, it might take more from there, but that's just, I mean, that's just how the, the body works. It takes from where it, it can. and uh, <clears throat> But no... And that's another thing is people will go crazy on ab workouts and all they're doing is building up their abdominal muscles under the fat. Yeah. So they end up aesthetically less pleased mm-hmm. after after all that's that. It's like my stomach is bigger. Yeah. And yeah, abdominal muscles are, are very important. Hell and yeah. Yeah. I think your core extends, um, you know, from your sternum and your, your thoracic spine all the way, all the way down to your glutes you know and i think hips are a big part of core too but yeah abdominal muscles are obviously important stabilize the spine and and move the spine but yeah that that would be spot training and that's just i mean if you get your body fat low enough then you're gonna see Mm -hmm. abdominal muscles just like how just like how little kids little boys will have six packs yeah doesn't mean you know they're in the gym training it yeah it's just you know, if your body fat is below a certain percentage, you will see yeah. those muscles. Yeah. Because they are there either way. Right. You'll see, see some rail-thin guy drinking a Keystone ice yeah. and smoking a cigarette 
and he has a six pack. It's not it's, because he's fit. It's not he, because he's out he's, there doing crunches. He's it's not just, the next ninja warrior. No, nah, he's just naturally thin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> and he's drinking the uh, the light instead of the full. Maybe that's Maybe part of light. it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, trends, trends in fitness. This is a good topic because, I mean. There's a lot to laugh at there. Yeah, definitely. In all seriousness, though, there is a trend that I think has some some stock. It has some validity to it. And it's uh, HIIT training. Okay. High-intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. If you do want to blast fat out of your body and you want to see your six-pack, I recommend that to people. Mm-hmm. I tell them you should do some high intensity interval training because that's going to burn the fat. Right. It might not go right from, I mean, you might not burn it directly from your stomach like you just said right, right. away, but I mean, if you want to burn the fat, you have to turn up the intensity, mm. work hard, rest if you need to, and then do it again. It, mm-hmm. That's what makes an interval, like doing rounds of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, hit training, I... I remember when it first came out, when it became popular, because they had a class for it at the gym. Um, but when you have a group exercise class trying to do hit training, it's like, how are all these people going to do the same weights and get the same intensity? Yeah. It doesn't work. So uh, like a hit class, I I wouldn't be a fan of. But if With you, weights, you mean? Like yeah, in the weight room? Yeah. I've seen it just applied to different exercises like cycling or okay. you can yeah. do high intensity intervals on a track with running. Yeah. I've yeah. seen some of that. Yeah, I like that stuff. And probably body weight too, like calisthenics, right. like how people do Tabata exercises. Similar to that. I think it end, I mean because it's trending mm-hmm. the same way, you know, we say like all natural or healthy trending words mm-hmm. end up blanketing over a lot of different concepts. Hit training is a trending word that has some efficacy to it yeah. when applied to the right concepts, but it's kind of getting blanketed over everything. Yeah. So I, I mean, I would wonder if like the way that I work out would be considered hit training because I do intervals, but I do like supersets, mm-hmm. you know, or tri-sets or quad sets. So I'll do, I'll do a pushing exercise. I'll, I'll keep it basic. I'll do like, uh, like I said, I like to do unilateral stuff. So let's say I do a half kneeling or a staggered stance chest press mm-hmm. then i turn around i do a half kneeling or a staggered stance row mm-hmm. uh, and then i go over and i do uh like a pistol squat mm-hmm. um, and i'll do those three sets and then i'll rest for maybe just a minute or two so i'm still working on my strength uh, i'm still maintaining or and or building muscle mass depending on how i'm eating and mm-hmm. recovering and uh, i'm also increasing my heart rate so there's a lot of cardiovascular benefit yeah, for, for it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, <clears throat> what I see as the line there, going from like being a circuit workout that has you know structured set of exercises that you plan to do, mm-hmm. the line between that and hit training would just be your intensity that you apply to it. Right. So if you hit those exercises hard, and then you know rest actively, breathe. Mm-hmm recover only as much as you need to and then get back to it and hit it hard again Mm -hmm. you know i think specifically at the same intensity level that you used the first time that would be then hit training so Mm -hmm. it could it could apply to any workout if you had 
you know, the honest approach to it. Like people will go into a cycling class that is supposed to be, you know, high intensity Mm -hmm. and dog it, sandbag it, get nothing out of it. The guy next to them is, you know, pouring sweat and working really hard and loves the class and has lost, you know, 10 pounds or 20 pounds or something. Mm -hmm. person next to them is dogging it. You're not going to get anything from it, even if you're doing the same amount of time. You're still pedaling. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe you're still going up and down with the knob, but you're not working as hard as you can. That high intensity part of it, I think, is the missing piece because there's a mental switch that you need to turn on to say, okay, I'm going past what's easy. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's when the fat starts to burn because that's the point where most people stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right before you can actually burn fat is when people say, okay, I'm fatigued. Mm -hmm. I can't keep going. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky now with... um, the jujitsu class and some uh, some striking classes that my um, my fatigue is not a factor for anybody else. So no one else is going to stop just because I am. Mm-hmm. And if I have an opponent that I'm sparring with or we're drilling a technique as a group, doesn't matter that I'm tired really. And I know that it doesn't matter to anybody else. So mm-hmm. I have to continue. I right. can't just, you know... Say, all right, I'm good now. Yeah. I'm good for now. I'm going to finish with everybody else, you know? Right. So in that sense, I think some group exercises are really good in that way. I like group cycling classes. Yeah. Because I commit to it and mm-hmm. I'm pumped up to be working hard in a group. And then when I leave, you know, I'm, I'm pumped up that I tried as hard as I could. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's like most exercise, you, you get out of it what you put into it of course i mean it's and not to discredit any group instructors um but they can't be responsible for 30 people you know what i mean even in uh that's why i'm not a big fan of um like group yoga yoga classes yeah more of a fan of um practicing on your own or maybe going to a group to learn a little bit yeah um you know and get some instruction but Unless you're in a class with like six people, it's it's not likely your instructor is going to come over and uh, help you adjust a pose or something. Or notice what's yeah. wrong. Or help you modify a pose that you can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where injuries happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, Can we try to burst a bubble or two with any, with any trends that you know of that are just totally fugazi? <sighs> I don't really know, man. I'm, I've been trying to think of what CrossFit. Other oh, CrossFit. That one That one came to my mind first, but yeah. I mean, I know yeah. there are others. Cro- CrossFit is a big one. Yeah. And workouts of the day yeah. for time, you know? Uh, yeah, the wads. Um, I don't know what CrossFit is doing now, generally. Um, <clears throat> at the beginning, there were two guys that started CrossFit. And uh, the one guy went off from on his own and he kind of distances distanced himself from crossfit because he didn't believe in the direction that the other guy wanted to take mm-hmm. it the, this is i mean it's just from talking to a couple people about right. it so i don't know the specifics but that's that's as far as i know and the one guy he wanted to take it and make it as hard as possible and again you're taking away specificity you're taking exercises this is one thing that i always took issue with is their favorite thing was like power snatches you know what i mm-hmm. mean or like power cleans but they're having people do 100 reps of them yeah. in a day 
that's a power exercise. Yeah. That's not you. That's so much wear and tear and overuse. It's like you. guaranteed overuse. Yeah. It's, joint injury. Yeah. On not just shoulder. muscle fatigue. Joint injury. Right. Yeah. You're just wearing down the the cartilage, the hyaline cartilage, tearing in, things. In your shoulders. Yeah. And then you have you have bursas to worry about in the mm-hmm. shoulder. That's such a common thing is shoulder bursitis, uh, um, subacromial bursitis. And uh, the same thing with, like, kipping pull-ups. The first time I saw those, I knew there was something wrong. Yeah. I really don't, I really don't appreciate those. Yeah. And uh, I know, like, in, like, specifically to Ninja Warrior, sometimes you have to throw yourself up. And that's fine, but if you catch yourself right, that's okay. Yeah. But if you go and throw yourself up and... And then drop. Drop all the way to a dead They slam. Yeah. (laughs) They slam down on their shoulders. I can't believe that. Yeah, I'm... I'm sure Shouldn't that be a more controlled movement? Isn't it more quality yeah. over quantity? Yeah. When it comes to something be. like that, mm-hmm. you're gonna drop down onto your shoulders yeah. with all your body weight. Yeah. Um, when I when I do hang cleans, um, I pay a lot of attention to my form. I I almost never go higher than one thirty five. That's uh, I did one fifty five a couple months ago, um, but uh, that's a power exercise. You're training to pop your hips uh, for Mm -hmm. the purpose of a jumping movement and hip extension, rapid, powerful hip extension. Uh, So it's a speed, it's a power exercise, but these people are are lightening up the weight and they're doing them for 100 reps and that's that's where injury occurs. I think overuse is probably the biggest cause of injury. So if you know what you're doing and you're lifting heavy weights, I think you're, for the most part, you're gonna be okay. If you have a lower back injury and you're still going out there and deadlifting three times a week, that's that's not a good idea, you know. But if you're relatively healthy and you can hit those hard without pain, then, I mean, go for it. But if you're just doing repetition and that goes into, like, long-distance stuff, um, some people can train for years. Some people run marathons into their 70s. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be just a genetic component or that or they're just fighting through injuries their entire life. I don't know what the the missing piece is for me or what the what the difference is between some people and the ultra marathoners of the world. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's a crazy feat to be able to do that. Wendy, our race partner, told me she is prepping for an ultra coming up in the near future yeah, like crazy. a 50 or so mile race yeah i don't i don't know how i don't know how man it's amazing it's insane wendy you're a badass be. yeah she is i admire what you do yeah i don't my, know how you do it my sister laura's girlfriend by the way <laughs> amazing our race partner yeah and uh she's a beast um she's yeah she's 43 i have to say out there killing it all the time we did that race as a team of four mm-hmm the two ladies absolutely held their own and kicked ass with all those obstacles. Oh, yeah, they did. That was yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. To see some people not bother trying them. Yeah. And those two pretty much attack everyone. Yeah. Whether or not they knew they could do it was awesome. Yeah. I just have to say, don't settle for burpees. Yeah. Burpees are the worst thing. Yeah, on the absolutely. <laughs> Going into that. Yeah. Going into that race, like I said, that morning, I neglected um, to eat as much as I probably should have because mm-hmm. of my nerves. Mm-hmm. And 
burpees and the threat of burpees because I, I didn't I wasn't really well researched about the race but my brother has done one my brother told me you fail an obstacle you do 30 burpees mm-hmm. and he said that and I was like man yeah I'm not doing any burpees I resolve right now to not do any burpees and on the very first obstacle you know it was slippery the grip was like weird there's like yeah. this foam this foam kind of pad on the, bars. The twister. On, yeah, yeah. The obstacle's called the twister. It's like a revolving cylinder with pull-up bar type grips on it, but they're going in line with the bar itself, the turning yeah. bar. Mm-hmm. And they had foam pads on them that were spinning also. Mm-hmm. Not not spinning, but if you had your weight on them, they would spin. Yeah. So, But there was also a gap, so your hand yeah. would grab. So you weren't sure how much it was going to spin or if your palm was going to grab it and I hated those grips and I don't want to make excuses but when I got towards the end I just couldn't hold on to them anymore they but totally suck yeah the the rate if they had taken those off just had the regular metal grips would have been I mean, way easier yeah might have ripped up your hands a little bit more but I don't I wouldn't even care I, I know on at least one transfer from bar to bar on those that's mm-hmm. the first obstacle mind you that we're talking about I was barely holding on by yeah. like a couple fingertips. Yeah. Like I could have very easily fallen off that too. It but it was like that resolve to not do burpees. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. I was able to do every obstacle without um, yeah. without hitting the burpees. I, I also went in there and I was like, I don't care if it takes me six hours or three hours. I just don't want to do any burpees. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing 120 burpees. <laughs> I failed four obstacles. Um, <clears throat> two that I... Actually, I mean, I, I expected to be able to do all of them, but, um, I mean, you remember my hands were ripped open yeah, by yeah. the time we got to the rope climb, and I was able to dissociate from that pain and make it up the rope. I remember watching the video on my way down. I saw my hands slip, like, about half a foot, and I was like, that, <sighs> that looks like it was painful, but I don't remember it. <laughs> and, uh, then when we got to the sandbag race, where yeah. you have to pull the rope, I got... I got the sandbag to the top, Ooh, and then when I started that. lowering, dude, my yeah, I I left blood on the rope, yeah, for sure. It was lost, yeah. lost a lot of skin on your hands, and then yeah. still had to do rope climbs oh, yeah, and yeah. rope pulls after that. Mm-hmm. And um, there was the four hundred pound tires to flip twice. Yeah. That was cool. Is that how much they were? Yeah, oh, the wow. men's were four hundred, and the women's were two hundred. Yeah. So both, <laughs> both Wendy and Laura flipped those tires. Yeah. Some yeah. badass ladies. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, I saw a lot of guys struggling with that, but a tire flip, uh, a tire flip trick is to find a place where your fingers fit in. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. If if you if you're trying to grab the outside of the tire, you won't. You have yeah. to find a spot to get your fingers under it. Yeah, yeah, it's on like unlevel ground, so if you find a little spot to slip under, that's the key. <clears throat> but. That was a really good time, really cool race, and I think I have yeah. the um, the obstacle bug at least now. Like yeah. I'm, I'm totally interested in training for Ninja Warrior. Mm-hmm. I really want to do that. I love climbing. I love bouldering and uh, free climbing and challenging my grip like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it just seems like the next progression, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to do it. That uh, the place that I talked about uh, it's called the gravity forge gym i can't remember which town it's in so it's probably like an hour and a half south of us so it would be a trip um but 
they have open gym hours i think like tuesdays 3 30 to 9 30 it's 20 bucks to drop in so i definitely want to get there soon and see what i'm made out of <laughs> absolutely me too and um i've been to brooklyn zoo for um my little cousin's 10th birthday party mm-hmm. brooklyn yeah. zoo and it's a uh, ninja warrior gym and they host kids parties and stuff there and have like nerf shootouts in there yeah, but awesome. it's a no shit uh gym full of those obstacles yeah. and i had been there it's it's been a while now i want to say it was the early spring of 17 mm-hmm. and it would it was before i got my gymnastic rings and I could not do a muscle up on the rings in yeah. in the Brooklyn Zoo. Could not do it. And it was my first time trying, I think. And I wasn't using a, the false grip where you get your palm all the way on top of it. Yeah. And I was baffled at how hard it was. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked I it a lot. I still can't do one. Yeah. I liked it a well, lot. I've never tried it on the rings. Um, but I, I would like to. So. We'll have to go out back. The rings are here. So you can try. And um, Easter came right after that. And... Samantha, my girlfriend, knew how interested I was, got me the rings for Easter, made a little Easter basket for me, and since then, I've been hooked on it. I don't use them all the time. Mm-hmm. It ends up being like two to three months between each time I was using on them, like yeah. using them last year. It was like, I was taking a video each time, so I was able to see the date, and I had to laugh because it was like a two-month gap between each time I did yeah. a set on the ring. Yeah. I like them more now. I use them more now, a little more frequently, but that was how it started, and yeah. it was so funny. And even though it was a two-month gap between each time I was using them, I was seeing progress. Yeah. There was there was big differences. I could only do like three muscle-ups first, mm-hmm. then it was like a set of three and another set of three, yeah. then I could get to five, and... Uh, I love them as an upper body strength tool. Mm -hmm. I think they're so good. Pull-up bars are good, but there's something to the rings. And the longer you have the straps on the rings, the harder it is to stabilize yourself by holding them because Mm -hmm. there's there's like more swing. There's just more swing as a factor and you're you're shaking more. You're Mm -hmm. less steady. I know there's something to it like a lever principle something, but... They're pretty long out there. The straps are pretty long. I have them hanging off a tree branch and it's tough, but I yeah. like it a lot and I like what you can do for your core with it. Yeah. There's not a lot of like core training workouts that I, well, I don't like any of them. I'll say that first. I don't like to train my core. It sucks. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I don't like it. With that being said, it's fun to do like L sits and like mm-hmm. leg levers, yeah. leg levers on the, um, on the rings. I have to recommend that to the folks out there. If you're not into weight training, but you want to be strong, you want a strong upper body, try a set of gymnastic rings. Mm-hmm. You um, you have the portability with them. They're not that expensive. It's not an investment like a, you know, a, an Olympic lifting rack, right. like a squat rack or a bench or anything like that. Minimal investment for a lot of yield, a lot of strength yield with those. And mm-hmm. I will say there's, there's some benefit and it lasts. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing... Have I ever showed you or talked to you about um, Ido Portal? No, I don't think so. He's like a movement uh, master, I guess you would say. And he's coached a lot of different types of athletes, dancers, mm-hmm. like the, the New York Ballet, um, the New York City Ballet. He's coached Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. the UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. He's coached um, 
uh, Major League Baseball pitchers. And he's just a movement expert. And um, studies different movement patterns um, from around the world, different types of dance, like capoeira, which is like a dance martial art Mm -hmm. from uh, Brazil. Uh, break dancing, yeah, a lot of a lot of principles of dance and like ballet end up yielding tremendous strength benefits, mm-hmm. and especially uh, like the gymnastics world, he looks a lot at that and acrobatics. Mm-hmm. There is a band of muscle that gets built up over, especially gymnastic rings athletes' elbow area here, the inside of the elbow, and it's like it's like. A protective band over this joint mm-hmm. it's amazing and I never knew it existed I saw Ido Portal do an interview the guy was like can you show us your elbows and he was like yes anybody could train this into their into their body you have it's there you have to train it mm-hmm. and gymnastic rings are a great way to do it yeah you can see I have normal elbows but I would like to develop that part of my anatomy if it's there like right here this will cover, it kind of goes over the elbow. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Amazing. Strange. You have, you have something there and I kind of don't. I'm flexing. Nothing there. <laughs> that is, um, that's the, the short head of the bicep. Where will it go to? Like, does it go into the elbow? Uh, yeah, it goes down and uh, attaches to uh, th- the radial tuberosity. So if it's on built the, up on the radius, if it's built yeah. up, you would see it in your elbow. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, that's one thing. Why don't more people have that? I don't know. And there's there's also underlying uh, beneath the bicep is the brachialis, and uh, that runs across the elbow too. And that is like the bicep. Uh, the long head runs from the intertubercular groove of the humerus, so up under the shoulder, basically. And that runs all the way down across um, across the elbow joint. And then the short one goes to the coracoid process. It's in, it's part of the, um, it's part of your scapula. It, uh, it wraps around and it's under the acromion and uh, under the acromion process. And that's also where your pec minor, a uh, commonly tight muscle that affects posture, it attaches there too. So um, since it, it does cross the shoulder, the bicep technically does um, flex the shoulder. Um, but wow. um, the brachialis itself is only attached to the humerus, like the anterior aspect of the humerus. And then it goes across the elbow joint and it is strictly responsible for, for uh, flexing the elbow. So that's another one that if that gets built up, that's that runs a little lower than the bicep, mm-hmm. and if you're doing a lot of hanging and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that brachialis could puff up and make that area look more prominent. We need that. So, we need to train that. I don't yeah. even think it's like an aesthetic thing. I think yeah. it's a muscle that we should have, and yeah. I I see where it would come into play mm-hmm. in like the the pivoting, like directional change when you're on yeah. gymnastic rings, going from a hang to like the 90 degree bend where yeah. your where your elbow is at a 90 degree angle and then the direction change there, yeah. you know? That um, stuff I think everybody should have. Yeah. Uh, that could also be, um, there's a, a muscle that runs across from the inside of the elbow to um, like the, 
like mid radius. Um, it's halfway uh, down the forearm. Yeah, he's it's, pointing it's to. the pronator teres. Um, so if you're holding your hand with the palm up and you turn it downward, mm-hmm. that's the pronator teres. Okay. So you see if I yep. if I resist, you could see it mm-hmm. pop out a little bit, and it runs right over here. So yeah, if you do a if you do like a muscle up on a ring and you and turn that direction palm, change there, yep. palm inward, that rotation would definitely activate the pronator teres. So I need to wake those up. Yeah. For the uh, for the fight sports with jujitsu, with the rings, hopefully I can start waking up some parts of my musculature and my anatomy that are mm-hmm. pretty much dormant now because mm-hmm. my knees pop, my elbows pop. I have like pretty this funny bone is like extremely sensitive i guess there's nothing protecting that there mm-hmm. but the slightest touch really hurts there so i need to do something about that yeah i've told you about um the the book i have by dr kelly Starrett, uh becoming a supple leopard he's um he's an an exercise scientist and uh like i think physical therapist for athletes mm-hmm. And focuses on movement patterns and movement, uh, like the the archetypes, mm-hmm. basically. So pull, push, you know, sit or uh, like the throw mm-hmm. kind of concepts. I might be butchering his uh, his version of them, but similar, mm-hmm. like the uh, the archetypes, the the overall function of the muscle as opposed to the muscle group. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So I want to. I want to have my focus go in that direction when mm-hmm. it comes to training more so. Like I said, I used to do five to six days in the weight room last mm-hmm. year just to see what I could do and see where it could go. And it was pretty linear. I mean, I was stronger and I had better conditioning for the weight room, but mm-hmm. I wasn't applying that stuff anywhere. I wasn't in jujitsu or any kind of fight sports or anything like that. Right. So now two days a week, I think will be enough to focus on some of the, some of the stuff I won't get during the actual competition or yeah. during the actual uh, training sessions. Um, another thing I want to train, we were talking about earlier, is my feet. Mm-hmm. I just learned from uh, a page that I follow on Instagram called The Foot Collective that the arches of our feet come from our hips. Yeah. <clears throat> you can train arches into your feet. Ladies and gentlemen at home, if you uh, have flat feet, that is not something you're cursed with. Mm-hmm. You can train your feet to have arches, to be more, yeah. you know, capable, to be more agile. Um, starts with hip stability, I guess. Mm-hmm. Running, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Hips are integral in running, but your feet are full of muscles mm-hmm. as well. And the modern trainer or, you know, it's sneaker... Mm-hmm. Um, really don't allow your feet to work the way they're supposed to. Right. Um, When it comes to uh, the hips relation to the feet, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw on your notes that you wanted to talk about training the feet. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the glute max is, uh, it's obviously a hip extensor, uh, but it's also a powerful adductor, or I mean abductor, um, means it, kicks the leg out, out to the side okay. and it's also the the upper fibers of the glute max are uh, a strong oh no sorry the upper fibers of the glute max are a strong abductor 
um, but it's also a strong external rotator. Uh, so when when you're in a stance, let's say you want to get in like a stance like you're about to do a squat mm-hmm. or you're like an offensive lineman mm-hmm. or something, what you want to focus on is rotating your legs outward a little bit, which will lift up the arch of your foot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is like all glute max. And so, yeah, that's, that's a good, good point. I like running a lot. Yeah. And I know that, um, the feet need exercise for themselves. Like mm-hmm. there are ways that you should be training your feet, but I know also that there are some simple changes we can make to wake our feet up a little bit. Like yeah. switching to a, a shoe that allows your toes to spread out a little bit mm-hmm. is a small change that, you know, might not mean much on the aesthetic side, but anatomically you could be doing yourself a serious service by just getting a shoe with a wider toe box. Mm-hmm. So I started wearing Nike Freeze in um, end of 2010. I was in a special ops training uh, pipeline in the Navy. I was trained to become a SEAL. Side note, I quit the quit the program in phase one of budge training. Uh, I was pretty young, wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there. But I started the program in uh, January, no, February of 2010. February of 2010. And uh, that was really the first running I was doing in my life was in boot camp. Mm. And in boot camp, they put you on this goofy machine where you step uh, you step on these sensors and they tell you what kind of foot you have if you have a neutral foot, right. if you have a pronating mm-hmm. inclined foot, meaning like you go in with your step or out with your step in one direction. And they give you either like a structured running shoe or a basic cushioned running shoe based on what they find in on that sensor thing. So I got like a neutral running shoe. It was cushioned and, um, I wasn't a very experienced runner. I thought, you know, you were supposed to run heel to toe and, um, the little bit of training I did before boot camp, I was, you know, running, in that way, I had Nike shocks at home. Mm-hmm. I was running on Nike shocks, heel toe, thinking yeah. that was the way you were supposed to do it, and that's why the shoe was made that way. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got out of boot camp, I went to the Buds prep training course, which was in Great Lakes, Illinois. It was um, April or so of 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a pair of Nike Air Maxes that were just. Um, just out at that time where the whole sole was a big air bubble, oh, like yeah. a big cushion yeah. throughout the whole thing. I'm like, okay, great. I'm ready to run. I got this big cushion bubble under my foot. Yeah. Nothing's going to stop me. And, um, I also tried one of the specialty running stores that the coaches and other students were telling everybody about the stores called fleet feet and mm-hmm. they have you step on a similar thing. You try a few pairs. There's a track in there you run on. So I went with uh, some Nike Air Pegasus structured running shoe Mm -hmm. from there. Thought that was a good move too. And uh, from running on the track, doing uh, like 400 meter sprints, 800 meter sprints, mile intervals fast, some long slow distance runs like 7 to 10 miles. In about two weeks of that, I started feeling severe shin splints. Yeah. I started complaining. I was in a lot of pain. 
I was having to put my legs in buckets of ice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was like, man, I got to get this checked out. I got a bone scan. There was fractures all through both of my tibias. And I had to do a rehabilitation program for a couple months after that. Yeah. And started doing like treadmill marathons where, you know, I had to pay attention to my stride and had to go in the weight room and put like an ankle strap on the cable machine and start to do some of these like basic lateral movements like hip abductor, one leg out, then forward, back, the adductors too, stuff like that, just to wake my legs up because it wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. Before that training, I had never done squats, you know what I mean, with weight or anything like that unless I was naturally doing it. Right. So I had like an epiphany at that time and had to say, you know what, let me try a different kind of shoe. Bought a pair of Nike Freeze while I was still doing the rehabilitation. I ran a marathon on a treadmill in Nike Freeze. And I mean, a treadmill is not the ground. It's a little bit cushioned. It's a little bit artificial. But I ran on a treadmill for like two hours and I didn't have any pain in my legs. Only one month into this rehabilitation. So some dots got connected. I was like, man, something was wrong with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Not with the sneakers. It's not about that. I started like disassociating any gear or, um, you know, devices or technology. I started disassociating all that with actual injury-free exercise. So the Nike Freeze were a big jump for me, and I've been wearing them ever since. Mm -hmm. I also started wearing the five-finger shoes more recently. They were trending back when I was in that program in 2010, and I was like, that's that's too cool. I'm not doing that. I'm not into cool mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So I just got a pair this year, ironically, and I love them. Mm-hmm. And I run in them. I run in them for short distances now, like three to five miles. I like that. And I feel like my feet are waking up. I do love to be barefoot too. So yeah. um, that's the next frontier for me with my feet is uh, doing some stuff barefoot. If you remember during the uh, the obstacle race. Yeah. I took my shoes off anytime there was water and mud and yeah. did a lot of it barefoot and would go barefoot until we found a place that was dry so I could put my socks and sneakers back on. Right. That got me thinking too, like we're out here walking on jagged rocks and mud and stuff and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something to being barefoot too. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to, you know, ride any waves, mm-hmm. you know, of other fitness trends, but... It's important um, that your feet get trained also. Definitely. So when I started going in the weight room with Nike Freeze on and doing squats or any standing exercise where I had, you know, um, weight on me, but I was standing, I would feel sore in my feet afterwards. And I was like, man, I'm doing something with this. This is working. Yeah. And it just became abundantly clear that there is something to that. And letting your feet spread out a little bit. Your toes can flex. Your foot can flex on the ground and give you a little more than what you'll get from a sneaker that's just two, three inches of, like, sole underneath your foot. Right. And um, there's there's benefit to having the response in your foot of, you know, maybe uncomfortability, too, to know something's up. Because if you have sneakers on and you're engaged in any kind of exercise, you might not notice until later that you mess something up. Mm-hmm. Being barefoot, man. It, that's, yeah, that, it that, might be, that might be a valid... Uh, that, may be, that might be one of the good trends that checks out, like yeah. hit training. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you want to, first of all, connect with nature, you're not going to do it with shoes on. You have to get outside, get barefoot, walk in the grass, walk on dirt, and uh, just even stand and see where your feet are at, see how you feel, you know what I mean? Rotate your hips in and out, see how it feels, see how it affects your arch. Um, A lot of people uh, have problems with their feet if they walk a lot. Like in my job, I do patient transport Mm -hmm. right now, so I walk sometimes eight, ten miles a night at work, and uh, I, my feet are fine. I wear real light Nike shoes, and I, I mean, I've been wearing them they're like getting worn out now. I've been wearing them for three years. And, yep, you know, yep. All and, my sneakers are real old. Yeah, and they're so loose and comfortable, and I never have any pain in my feet. Um, but yeah, feet are, I mean, that's your connection to the ground. Out there on the um, the Spartan Race course, I saw a lot of high-tech footwear out there. Mm-hmm. I saw some pretty structured shoes, some, some cool race shoes, and I was in a pair of Nike Freeze. I don't feel like uh, I missed out on anything mm-hmm. in them, and my feet didn't suffer throughout the race, really. I felt pretty good. Yeah. I was wearing um, <clears throat> pretty stacked ASIC uh, running shoes, or uh, trail running shoes, and uh, <clears throat> the, my feet were torn apart by the time the thing was over. Like, my feet were just, they were sliding around, they were sweaty, they were wet. And, uh, I mean, I ended up bleeding. Got some blisters. Yeah. Yeah, my heels felt terrible halfway through the, the race. So, if I had something more fitting, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think that would have been much better. Yeah. In much better shape, but... I like recommending that space in your, in your footwear to people. Mm-hmm. And also doing... Just taking any time you can to be barefoot, like... I'm blessed with jujitsu class now and the striking classes. It's all barefoot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if it's slippery, you know that's a little bit of a hazard. But you have to sort that out with your feet. You know, yeah. you 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 grip you grip a little bit with your feet. Right. And um, we said we're gonna have to get you out there. You're gonna have to try that uh, jujitsu class at least once. It'll oh, be yeah. free. Yeah, I think I you'll like, like it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Really great activity. That's Pride Lands Jujitsu. It's outside. It's on the outskirt area, of Scranton. Have you come check it out? Yeah, man, I'd like to. We had a good time today. The yeah. tubs, the tubs Definitely. were really cool. Yeah, Seven fun. Tubs Recreational Park, they call it, mm-hmm. in this area, not far from where I live. It's like a series of waterfalls that spill into these like cool swimming holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it there. Like, what did I say when we were out there? This is, this is what life should, should feel like. like. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's where it is, man. Out in the woods, out in the water. Yeah, we take it for granted. Just like we, we were people that, like when I was out on tour, we'd meet people that lived in San Diego and mm-hmm. Los Angeles that never went. Had to the no beach. appreciation. Yeah, like you don't go to the beach. I'm like I live in the mountains, and then I realize that I live in the mountains, and I don't go out and enjoy the mm-hmm. forest. Yeah, you know. I did not so, know there was a lake in the Nungola area. Oh yeah, yeah. I love being outside, man. That's as good as it gets, really. It is. Having to uh, having to try and make a career anywhere but outside for me is going to be tough. Yeah. It's been it's been real, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, coming out. No problem, man. Glad to have you here. Yeah, had a good time. It's been a good time today. Yeah. Listeners, 
I hope uh, you take a few pointers from my friend Matt here. He stakes his reputation on his claims. He's not he's not selling snake oil. I'm not looking forward to hearing my own speaking voice when I listen <laughs> to this. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think, man. You sound yeah. pretty good. All right, folks.